Good morning. It's great to be here. I hope that you have enjoyed uh, this morning. Looks like the weather's going to be good today. Maybe not as hot it is, as it has been, so that's good news. Don't know if we're going to get any rain out of the effects of Ida, but I hope we do. <laughs> uh, but we're, we're glad you have chosen to be with us here this morning. As we continue uh, our study on works of the flesh, and uh, as you'll see, as uh, we're going to continue in Galatians 5, 19, 21, and I'll read this just for getting the benefit um, if you've not been involved with the study thus far. Now, the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, various variants, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, Indians, murders. <coughs> drunkenness, revelings, and such like. Of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. There's some uh, 13 or 14 items up there. We are not going to cover all those this morning. We're going to cover uh, three of those. Um, witchcraft, drunkenness, and revelings. And I'll be honest, I, uh, I was telling someone before service, probably not a lesson I would have given uh, just on my own whim, uh, not something I'd really thought about as far as uh, what we're going to refer to as witchcraft or a lot of different versions would refer to as sorcery. So just to start this uh, morning's uh, lesson, just want to read just a basic definition. I'm, I'm sure most of you have a general idea of what witchcraft and sorcery entails, but it's the practice of magic, black mask magic, use of spells, Religious practice involving magic and affinity with nature, usual with a, usually with a pagan tradition. The people who practice or believe it to be supernatural have supernatural skills and abilities such as casting of spells and performing magic rituals to control people or events. Frankly, I don't know anybody who does that. <laughs> I don't know that I'm aware of anybody that would consider themselves practicing true witchcraft and sorcery. Now, I may, frankly, and you may know some people, but you may have some ideas of some people that have dabbled in it or, or would be intrigued by it, but I don't know that I know someone that would consider themselves today a true witch or a sorcerer. Um, so, let me ask you, <laughs> do any of you enjoy a good magic show or in, enjoy watching a magician? I will tell you, I love good magic. <laughs> Uh, I'm intrigued by, by people who do that. Uh, a very good friend of ours, uh, many of you would know Brent Fisher, he's, he and his uh, family have been here before. Probably one of the best close-up magicians I know. Um, I've seen him a, a lot do it. Probably 30-something years ago, Brent and uh, Becky and Rebecca and I, uh, they used to live out in Rowlett where we did, and one night we ended up in a little hole in the wall Italian restaurant. I'm guessing Jessica was probably about two years old, but we ended up with a little tabletop uh, a, a magician that was walking around the restaurant doing some, some up-close magic. Fairly simple stuff. I thought it was really neat. Brent was terribly intrigued by it. <laughs> he has never stopped doing magic as of that evening. He went back and visited with the gentleman, uh, wanted to get involved with it, see what was involved, and, and uh, eventually started learning to do some of the simple tricks and magic. He became a craft magician. Uh, he was friends with that person for many, many years, and they would go and do shows together uh, at schools and at various parties. 
Over time that gentleman died, he, he was able to inherit, I believe, all, most if not all of that gentleman's bag of tricks, I'll say. You know, I've watched Brent um, do, we, I've hired him to do Christmas shows and or birthday parties and Christmas parties at our office. Uh, very fun to watch. Um, very, it's fun to watch someone who understands their craft and talent. Um, really good at what he at what they uh, do. I can then think of shows like uh, the Carbonara Effect. Anybody watch the Carbonara Effect? Anybody like that? I think it's pretty cool. We all know there's something going on that you're not necessarily seeing on TV, uh, but I really like it. I like when people. I've, I've, uh, a few years ago, uh, Yancey and Sheila uh, and Rebecca and I were in um, Las Vegas. We did go into a magic show. One of the guys that had been on America's Got Talent and had won and got his gig in, um, in, in Las Vegas. Just really enjoy watching people. But what, so they're really good at what they do, but what we do know is they're just doing a play on reality, using their hands and their abilities to have our eyes see what they want us to see. You know, every magician I know, and I, I do know a few that would do this type of magic, will tell you it's just sleight of hand. Um, and they use sometimes rigged elements to give us the visual impression that something magical just occurred, right? They manipulated and controlled events, and this would be whether TV or Vegas or, or standing with next, right next to Brent. But what I also understand from each one of those is they totally understand that it was nothing that they did supernaturally, right? They understand it's just for fun and it's a craft. You know, Brent has shared with me behind the scenes, I don't know if he's ever done it with any of you, I hope I'm in a really small group, I, it took me a long time to get it out of him. He shared with me a couple of, I'm going to say five or six tricks. Ingenious. It's really simple. Sometimes all I need to do is get a different view of what he's doing and I can see the manipulation. But he's very good. He does this in large crowds, small crowds, walks around. And I've seen some tricks multiple times. And I go, wow, I missed it on that one. Where was the point where he manipulated what I could see? You know, often it's quite easy. As long as you practice something very swell, it's sleight of hand, you know, it's, you just, it, it's, he could do it in his sleep. He's practiced it. So I believe we all know, my point is I believe we all know that there are people who can do that, uh, who do it purely for entertainment, right? With no hint towards witchcraft or enter in some world of satanic, demonic, paganistic, cult behavior. But I can tell you, some have made a lot of money doing this craft. Your guys that, you know, Carbonara Effect and these guys who go on to Vegas. Frankly, I think Brent's done pretty well doing it as a side, side hobby. But this morning I want to talk about the Bible has a lot to say about witchcraft, true witchcraft. Um, witchcraft or sorcery, and it has many cousins, fortune telling, necromancy. Anybody know what that term is? I, don't, I think I'm pronouncing it right. Anybody know what that is? That's the practice of speaking with the dead. The sounds especially to predict the future. These are Satan's counterfeit, counterfeits to holy spirituality. You see sorcery, the use of spells and 
divination, if you want to call it, or speaking to the spirits, is clearly condemned in the Bible. Uh, and frankly, until I got into this study, I knew I'd come across it in various things. I didn't know how much it was in the Bible. Hundreds, hundreds of scriptures refer to witchcraft and sorcery. It's always used, although witchcraft and sorcery is always used in reference to an evil or deceptive practice. The Bible expressly condemns all forms of witchcraft and sorcery as they're an attempt to surpass or bypass God's wisdom and power. That's ultimately the goal in true witchcraft and sorcery. And it's in fact to give glory to, to Satan instead. There's nothing. It's, it's not the magic we talked about at the beginning, the for fun entertainment side of, of, ma of, of magic. So sorcery is an attempt to bypass God's wisdom and power and give glory to Satan instead. I will tell you, God has no tolerance for sorcery. Since early times, people have sought supernatural experiences that God didn't endorse, and we're going to read about some of those. Deuteronomy 18, 19-12, or 9-12. When you enter the land of the Lord your God has given you, do not learn to imitate the detestable ways of the nations there. Let no one be found among you who sacrifices their son or daughter in the fire, who practices divination or sorcery, interprets omens, engages in witchcraft or cast spells, who is a medium or spiritist, who consults the dead. Anyone who does these things is detestable to the Lord. Because of these same detestable practices, the Lord your God will drive out those nations before you. Again, sorcery is listed as one of these sinful practices that, of the nation surrounding Israel, and God called it an abomination. You know, since time began, God has, has commanded us to listen and obey him. And although he gives us the freedom to choose our master, God has always had strong word for humans being, uh, for human beings who, who dabble in Satan's territory. Again, here in Deuteronomy, he says, for these nations which thou shalt possess, hearken unto observers of the times and unto diviners. But as for thee, the Lord thy God hath not suffered thee so uh, to do. Again in Revelation, neither, neither repented they of their murders, nor of their sorceries, nor of their fornication, nor of their thefts. Malachi also speaks of the judgment, of God's judgment on those who involved, were involved in sorcery. He said, and I will come near to you, uh, near to you to judgment, and I will be a swift witness against the sorcerers. You see, God takes witchcraft very seriously. And again, all throughout this, I want to everybody, and I hope everybody clearly understands we're not talking about the entertainment magic stuff. We're talking, apparently, I, this was a huge uh, thing in early times. It likely is a huge thing. Now, I'm maybe not <laughs> running those circles, but I believe it probably still exists today for all the warnings God has given us. He will not tolerate our idolatry, our fascination with enchantment. The penalty for practicing witchcraft under the Mosaic law was this. Thou shalt not suffer a witch to live. A man also or a woman that hath a familiar spirit or that is a wizard shall surely be put to death. They shall stone them with stones. Their blood shall be upon them. Saul died for his transgression, which he committed against the Lord, even against 
the word of the Lord which you kept not, and also for asking counsel of one that had a familiar spirit to inquire of it. He died because of his unfaithfulness to the Lord. He didn't keep the word of the Lord. In fact, it says he even consulted a medium for guidance of what you would have considered that. You know, in the New Testament, sorcery is translated from the Greek word, and I thought this was again interesting, pharmakeia. Jericho probably knows that word, pharmakeia, <laughs> from which we get our English word, pharmacy. In Paul's day, the word was primarily meant dealing in poison or drug use and was applied to divination and spell casting because sorcerers would often use the drugs along with their incantations to conjure up all these uh, occult powers. So witchcraft and spiritism, they often involve the ritualistic use of magic potions and controlling mind uh, or mind controlling drugs. So now when you put that in perspective, right? Think there's a lot of drug abuse today? Think there's a lot of drug enhancement uh, that is taken to alter your mind? Today, the modern version would be people using illicit drugs, possibly to open themselves up to demonic spirits. You can put that in whatever context it is. If it's just to get away, to have a high, to, to uh, enter into some other realm, I don't know. I always was afraid of drugs, never was fascinated by one ounce of it. I thought I'd be the type to take one pill and die, so I don't want to use it. But <clears throat> engaging in practice or taking a substance to achieve an altered state of consciousness. I believe that can be a form of witchcraft. So the example of drug overdoses, we see it so much today. They've developed things that someone can follow like and they can stick some Narcan up in someone's nose and they'll, they'll pop back up. And they'll do it again because they know, I have a really good chance of surviving this that they didn't years ago. It's a form of creating a temporary getaway from the real world. A fantasy, call it, illusions, whatever, whatever that desire is to do, I believe today that would fall under very much under the elements of witchcraft. There are only two sources of spiritual power, God and Satan. And Satan has only the power that God allows him to have, right? But it's considerable. So to speak spirituality to knowledge or power apart from God is witchcraft. And Satan's waiting for you to go seek that. First Samuel 15 23 says, for rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is iniquity and idolatry. Well, sometimes, you know, when you think about your kids rebelling, now you say to them, hey, you know what? Rebellion is sin. <laughs> we'll add the rest of that. It's really as the sin of witchcraft, uh, and stubbornness is iniquity and idolatry. But, but because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, he has also rejected thee from being a king. Clearly, it's, it's, it's sinful. Because witchcraft, not in God's realm, Witchcraft is in Satan's realm. And he excels in counterfeiting what God does. Because Satan is a liar. Satan is full of deceit. 
He preys on the weak. Those that are longing to search for someone else. Anybody ever run into somebody like that? That you just fear they're just right on the edge of looking for something else? To experience things? Why? I would tell you because their heart is far from God. As the sole creator. Because witchcraft doesn't recognize the sole creator. He is in command. He and only he is in command. But some want to challenge this. You see, at the heart of witchcraft is the desire to know the future and control events that are not ours to control. Those abilities belong only to the Lord. And so this desire has its roots in Satan's first temptation to Eve. And we're very aware of this verse. For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened. You know a word that I had just probably skipped over? And you should be as gods, <laughs> knowing good and evil. You think you know something now. So people, I believe, that experience in that, they want to be like God. So since the Garden of Eden, Satan's major focus has been to divert human hearts away from the worship of the true God. And he entices humans with the suggestion that they have power. They have self-realization. <laughs> Spiritual enlightenment, enlightenment apart from submission to God's will. I was born in the early 60s. <laughs> I have enough memory of the hippie culture. I'm guessing there's a few of you guys in here that might have a little bit of that. I can remember some of that. It was this, this open your minds up to this new realization, right? I don't know how much degree there was in witchcraft and all that. I know it was a different, different time frame back then. But I would say witchcraft is merely just another branch of that enticement. To become involved in witchcraft in any way is to enter Satan's realm. If you ever know someone that you think is struggling with that, talk to them. I've had some people that I think hover on in that area. Again, and I'm not talking about people like Brent who understand it purely for entertainment. I, th I know he has zero desire to enter, in, enter into Satan's realm with what he does. I want to make no mistake about that. Now I'll tell you, seemingly hard, harmless, modern entanglements with witchcraft can include Things that you might not again think of. Anybody ever read the horoscope? Played a Ouija board. A lot of meditation rules, some video and role-playing games for Dungeons and Dragons. Now I don't know anything about Dungeons and Dragons, but I know a lot of people that play in it. I I I know a fair amount. For me personally, I can't imagine more of a time waster than what I see they invest in playing Dungeons & Dragons for creating a character in a role and they've described it to me and I, I am just like, nope, not interested. Not because I, I know enough about it, but I, uh, I think it may be, may be harmless. But I would say there are things like horoscopes that a lot, of, a lot of religion 
is based on that. We'll throw out another one, Harry Potter. My wife's a huge fan of Harry Potter. My kids are huge fans. Again, I don't think, I think there are a lot of things. I'm gonna throw this in it, and it could be again in, in some of these, uh, like a Dungeons and Dragons. I'm not sure enough about that one, but because I know people that are, play that. But you have Harry Potter. If you're reading those books and you're watching those movies because you are intent on learning sorcery and magic and you want to go to Universal Studios or to Disneyland and go pick up buy yourself a wand and you're going to point at something and you think something's going to magically happen, you might be in the line of witchcraft. If you were there for the entertainment value and, and, and uh, you know, my wife has watched a lot of those movies over and over, she could tell you all the plot scenes just the creativeness of the writer and what they have done. But you know, I think about that and I go, well, Cinderella and Snow White and Pinocchio and Hansel and Gretel, Christmas stories, which a lot of magic in those things, right? That's not what we're talking about. It would be an endless set of, of, of make-believe on a fun level, much like the card trick, the hand trick, not trying to enter a, a, a Satan's world. So, <clears throat> we don't need to fear Satan's power, but we should respect it and stay away from it. 1 John 4 and 4, you of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you and than, than he that is in the world. You see, the power of God is much greater than the power of the sorcerer. Satan can create a lot of havoc and harm and destruction in the lives of believers if you allow yourself to, to enter into a realm far from the, the things we talked about, your Harry Potters and, and all those things. I've been to that park. I've walked all through it. I think it's creative. I was not at all in my life for being held by a witch or a sorcerer of them casting a spell upon me. If we belong to the Lord Jesus Christ, there is no power that can ultimately defeat us. We are overcome as we put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. That's how we overcome. You see, when we give our lives to Christ, we have to repent. We must repent. The Bible says this repentance should include renouncing any involvement of things like witchcraft. A verse that I would not have Again, I've read through it, never really saw it. Many of them also which use, this is in Acts, many of them also which use curious arts brought their books together and burned them before all men, and they counted the price of them and found it 50,000 pieces of silver. There were people that were involved in witchcraft, even in the early believers. Isaiah 8, 19. <clears throat> We fall when, and when they shall say unto you, Seek unto them that have familiar spirits, and unto wizards that peep, and that mutter, should not a people seek unto their God, for the living to the dead? You know, when we follow those words to their logical conclusion, we could also ask, why seek any power apart from the source of real power as we know it? Why would someone want to seek the source of power from who we know 
is God to be the source of all power. Rising spirits who are not the Holy Spirit. Seances. I'm guessing no one in this room has been involved in a seance. I would like to attend one just to watch from a humorous standpoint. That, that, you know, in your mind you go, seriously? We're calling on the dead or we're doing those things? My guess, it probably still happens in certain um, factions and groups, and I know it does on, on, on religious basis. You know, I have, a few, I have a friend, just had lunch with her. We used to do a lot of uh, various levels of work together. She lived over in, um, across town. Very, very sad, tragic story. She lost her 21-year-old son, one of four kids. Her, her uh, oldest son used to work for us. She lost her youngest son due to suicide. Committed suicide in his apartment. His family had to find him. All due to family issues. You know, I can't imagine the grief of a mother and her three kids finding her son on the couch dead. Sorry. You know, when I was meeting with her, this, this lady is a very well-spoken. She's a known author. She's a, a writer, motivational speaker. And she told me at lunch the other day, she said, Bruce, you'd think this is kind of weird. But she said, I just had to get my life back in, in, you know, a lot of things had happened, divorces and family issues to the point that her, her son took his life. She said, you know, I went to a clairvoyant. You what? She goes, yeah, you know, the crystal glazer, <laughs> right? The psychic. Some people may, I don't know, maybe they consider themselves prophets. I don't know. But I, <laughs> I said, why not God? What, what were you seeking in a clairvoyant? She, couldn't have a, she didn't have a really good answer. But she just decided that she had had Christianity. She still considers herself Christian. Asked her if she was involved in any, back in any kind of church. No. But I'm satisfied where I'm at. Looking for answers elsewhere. Now, I'm not judging her. Consider her a friend. And I can't imagine what she's gone through over the past few years. But I can tell you the answers aren't in a clairvoyant or in some crystal glazer. Someone looking into a ball, and she the, the amazing part of it, and, and again, having not been to one of those, she goes, you wouldn't believe how much that person was able to tell me about things, that about me and things that have happened. You're an author and a motivational speaker, and this was in the news. Uh, she wrote a book all about it. My, my uh, our cousin used to run the trauma unit over in Fort Worth at the hospital. Many of those doctors spoke into that tragic event. It was in the news. <laughs> that clairvoyant could know a lot about you if you really want to do some research, right? In the Old Testament example, Second Chronicles 33, 6, and he, and he caused his children to pass through the fire in the valley of the son of Hinnom 
Also, he observed time and used enchantment and used witchcraft and dealt with a familiar spirit and with wizards. He wrought much evil in the sight of the Lord to provoke him to anger. King Manasseh is condemned for his many evil practices here, including sorcery, and he burned his sons as an offering, using fortune-telling and omens and sorcery, and dealing with mediums and necromancers, calling on the dead. And he said he, he did much evil in the sight of the Lord to provoke him to anger. The book of Revelation says that sorcerers will have their place, but the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable and murders and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part of the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is a second death. So sorcery is clearly sinful and is not to be part of our Christian living. There's wisdom that earthly, unspiritual of the devil exists there. This wisdom was sent not from above, but it's earthly and sensual and devilish. And it's what sorcery offers. Our wisdom comes from God, but the wisdom that is from above is pure, peaceful, gentle, and easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. Now, there's two Greek words in the, <clears throat> in the New Testament that are again tied to this. They're translated bewitched. The first means amazed, astonished, or overwhelmed with wonder. Uh, bewitchment can uh, refer to the effect another personal experience has on someone. For example, we might say he was bewitched by her beauty, uh, meaning that she was, he was smitten by a pretty girl. You know, the Bible warns of another kind of bewitching. We often use that word bewitched to mean affected as if by a magic spell. Under an evil influence or to be charmed by error, the King James Version translates the word as bewitched. Meaning this, there was a certain man called Simon, which before in the same time used sorcery and bewitched the people of Samaria, giving out that himself was a great one, to whom they all gave heed from the least to the greatest, saying, This man is the great power of God, and to him they have regard, but because of that long time he had bewitched them with sorceries. They were overwhelmed by, with wonder by his magic spells and gave credibility to his words because of this seemingly supernatural abilities. The Samaritans were bewitched by, power, by his powers and activities. Well, Paul turns around and uses this type of responsibility. Oh, foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you that ye should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ has been evidently set forth, crucified among you? He says, before your very eyes, Christ was crucified, portrayed as crucified. Paul was trying to, to make some sense with the Christians in Galatia who were adopting this false, false uh, doctrines about salvation. And it was though as if they had received the true gospel of grace that someone had bewitched them to make them change their minds. You know, the Bible, bewitching is, is again, it, it's, it's just a, a practice that was strongly forbidden. And we again see it numerous times. I actually, I think I was amazed about how, how much is throughout the scriptures. And the soul that turneth after such as familiar spirits and after wizards to go a whoring after them, I will even set my face against that soul and will cut him off from among his people. So why do you believe God despises everything having to do with witchcraft or sorcery? Why does he despise it? 
believe because it replaces him in people's affections. They get lured in. You can't love God and serve other means of addiction, be it drugs, enhancements, enchantments, with, uh, sorcery. When we allow ourselves to be bewitched by worldliness, witchcraft, false doctrine, we're forsaking the true God that we know. We see we're making him to be counterfeit. You see, God created us to be living temples for his Holy Spirit. And we're to be filled by him and walk with him and, and, and to worship only him. So to be controlled or overwhelmed uh, and bewitched by anything else is contrary to how he designed us. The only bewitching that should happen is if you want to say that uh, we would be bewitched by uh, in some sense or overwhelmed with wonder at the beauty of the Lord <laughs> and amazed at the majesty of God. Look, I want to share with you a really quick story again about I did have, we did have an experience several years ago. Uh, if Mike, if Carrie were here, they would be familiar with this. For over 20 years, Rebecca and I used to keep a bunch of youth in our house, very much like this film. We'd sometimes have 150, 200 kids involved in that camp. We usually had somewhere in the 25 to 40 girls staying at our house. <laughs> Teenage girls, yeah, trust me. It was a, I just needed to sometimes isolate. <laughs> but it was fun. And we would have night uh, Bible studies and at, in the evenings with them. And, and it was fun to get to watch these girls. I, I can think of people like uh, Marlon's daughter. She was our first one to keep back when she was several, 12 or so and watched her grow up. So um, a lot of girls I know have, have, have come through that. There was one year that had a little bit of a problem. Had some girls report that they had some items stolen, money, jewelry, whatever. One of the house rules, first night we would always sit the girls down, you're going to be with us in our house for a week, here's the house rules. You know, about how to do laundry, don't complain to me if the towels aren't done, that's your job, and that's your job, and that's your job, and we would assign everything out, right? And when we would talk about Hey, if you think you bought anything into this house, these were uh, anywhere from, I'm going to say 13-year-old girls up to 21-year-olds. If you think you brought anything to this house that uh, you would not want us to find, you got a really quick moment to get, go get rid of that, or you know, it could be an issue. Well, uh, because I told them this is our house, we will have the ability to go through your stuff if we feel we need to. Well, we had a reason to go through some couple of girls, two twin sisters. Come to find out, in the, in the hopes of trying to find some things that were stolen, we actually came across, I mean, knowing to me up until that time, some books on Wiccan. They were journals of Wiccan. <laughs> they considered themselves, after a lot of discussion, to be Wiccan, to be witches. We come to ultimately we found out that there were other youth that were attending our youth camp that, we're, that year including boys. One, I believe, he considered himself to be a shaman. These were teenage kids. <laughs> Think we had a problem? <laughs> At a Church of Christ youth camp, we have a bunch of Wiccans this year and shamans. So we had a lot of discussions. <laughs> I won't get into all that, but I will say uh, my eyes were opened. We had to call their parents in. I'm not sure if they said that, if they knew or not. They kind of acted like they didn't. I don't know how you couldn't with as much evidence of this. I don't know if any of you know anything about a lot of Wiccan. Uh, roughly uh, celebrates the universe and celebrates nature. Sex is a huge portion of it. Any and all, and with any and all. 
a lot of these were recorded in journal. I, I just my eyes were very open. <laughs> um, that's probably enough on that. <laughs> but I will tell you, it does exist. In the modern uses, the word enchantment can refer to the feeling of being attracted by something interesting, pretty, or exciting, but the Bible enchantment usually refers to the practice of magic arts. Uh, it's, it, enchantment is another one of those things that's part of witchcraft and sorcery, and it's clearly forbidden. You shall not eat anything with the blood, neither shall you use the enchantment nor observe times. You see how many times some of these verses we've probably skipped over in our minds before, or I have? <clears throat> An enchanter was one who cast spells or put curses on someone. English translation would use the divine or the magician, the fortune teller or the necromancer or astrologer to try to identify someone who practiced. Um, I have a good Vietnamese friend. I've, I've talked about it before. I have a few Vietnamese friends. There's a little community out there and they have some really nice restaurants. <laughs> They believe in those horoscopes. They believe in this astrology. They watch the moon stars. They believe like who you marry and who you will coexist with and who you should not coexist with and all those various things is determined by the year and month you were born in and the various other elements. I've, I've kind of listened to her whole spiel, went back and looked, looked at mine, looked at Beck's. I don't know if we were meant, <laughs> I couldn't tell one way or the other. We're 35 years in, I can't remember now even what year the rat and whatever little deals all the different elements. And if you're familiar with that, I'd say don't waste your time. But <laughs> there are people that believe in that. Their religions are based in the, on that. You know, our world's out of control sometimes, I believe. With, it, with all this enchantment enters sometimes this, uh, this prohibition of this, it becomes more relevant today when we think about, uh, again, mind-altering substances. And I, I can tell you they have their root um, in satanic enchantment. The very demons of hell thrive in, in those environments where drugs and witchcraft and psychics are, are celebrated. So what are our sinful, for these people that involve enchantment, what, what would they be looking for? What would our sinful flash find enchanting? That God knows will destroy us. All I can tell you is we, if you know people, we need to talk about it, tell others, and don't be persuaded to dabble in it. Don't take the account of there's no harm in it <laughs> and get engaged in it. You see, for a Christian, <clears throat> I'm going to skip where I skipped the verse a while ago. For a Christian, the prohibition against enchantment goes a little further because we now enter into another portion, which we'll talk about the drunkenness very briefly, the revelings. I wanted to spend most of the time this morning on witchcraft and sorcery. I think we know a lot about what drunkenness can mean. I frankly did not know a lot about witchcraft and sorcery. Um, but for a Christian, this, this happens with uh, Ephesians 8 reads, and be not drunk with wine, wherein is in excess, but be filled with the Spirit. So uh, here it's warned us that we can't be controlled 
by alcohol and the Holy Spirit and, and the Holy Spirit at the same time. Alcoholic liquor, which is dubbed spirits, can control us in a way that only God's Spirit should control us. You see, when we transfer our, our, the ownership of our lives to Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes inside into our hearts. He comes in, in with the intention of transforming us into his image and directs us and our lives to voluntarily surrender obedience to his word. So when people begin to wander into these psychotic, enhancing drugs, alcohol abuse, I'm going to throw it in this alcohol abuse, horoscopes, fortune telling, can get very dangerous for people. Philippians 3.8 Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I suffered loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ. That's the way Paul describes his enchantment with, with Jesus. He said, I consider it a loss, everything a loss, because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ. <clears throat> so I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this uh, um, whoops, particular verse here, or, or this particular section here. I think we know we understand a lot about what drunkenness. I think it's very clear what that is. I'll give you what's understood as the definition of intoxicated, inebriated in a state in which a person is overwhelmed with spirits or liquors. The consequences of drinking intoxicating liquors to such an extent as to alter normal conduct of an individual and significantly reduce the capacity for rational action. I think we saw the evidence here recently with the accident of Jacob. You know, the Bible has a lot to say about, about drunkenness. And again, this, we could spend a lot of verses on this, but they are also have erred through wine and through strong drink are out of the way. The priest and the prophet have erred through strong drink. They are swallowed up of wine. They are out of the way through strong drink. They err in vision. They stumble in judgment. In Proverbs, who hath woe? Who hath sorrow? Who hath contentions? Who hath babbling? Who hath wounds without cause? Who has redness of eyes? They that tarry long at the wine, they that go to seek mixed wine, look not thou upon the wine when it is red, when it giveth his color in the cup, when it moveth itself aright, at the last it biteth like a servant, and stingeth like an adder. And again in Ephesians 5, be not drunk with wine where is in excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Drunkenness is just when you have you're not in a rational state to function, no different than the use of drugs, or no different when you're in, I would think when you're engaged in uh, high levels of, or some levels of witchcraft and sorcery, and your mind is not in a rational state because you're beginning to accept and, and tolerate things that are not normal to your conscience. I'm gonna end up with revelings. Word I'd heard. Probably had a general idea uh, of, of what it was. I don't think it's necessarily a common word. I would say, growing up, this would have been a term that um, uh, I'm sorry, I hit that soon. As as um, letting loose. <laughs> Anybody ever use that term when you're going to go let loose? Of going wild. You would hear you would hear people talking about going. Hey, I'm going to go wild. Hey, I'm going to go cut loose. 
that's very different than having a birthday party for Sheila at her house, right? <laughs> We're not talking about that kind of raveling, a party that's for fun, a, a birthday. We're talking about excess wild partying. I know the word that you term that used to get used when I was young was carousing around. <laughs> Did you, anybody ever remember hearing that? Don't go carousing around. Everybody knew what that meant. And I will tell you, there's another example that, that, that can be, it's when, of a reveling, not necessarily a party, but I'll give you an example. Someone gets fired at your office and y'all are all glad to see them go. And y'all go out after work and have a party to celebrate the demise of that person. And you go celebrate and go wild. I'm not going to get into these, some of the other things that you'll see listed, the orgies and those types of wild parties, wild sex parties. I think that was probably covered enough last time, but that would be considered part of a, potentially part of a reveling. I will tell you one thing that I can remember growing up, my mom used to say it a lot, was just remember you are a reflection of your dad. Don't do anything that would bring shame to his name. That would go with you through the night. So um, that would keep some of that reveling at bay, right? When your friends all wanted to go out and do things, you had to remember you're a reflection of your parents. So kids today, if you listen, you're a reflection of your parents. I'm going to close uh, with just saying I, uh, again, I didn't know as much about the witchcraft and sorcery. I found it very intriguing because I do think there's probably elements that exist in society that uh, I'm probably not aware of. You can certainly understand the drunkenness and revelings, that, that part we probably see more of in today. But I would say that um, if you know someone or you even have tendencies to head into those paths, I encourage you to either do some study or talk to someone about it that can keep you from being entangled in those types of messes. There's plenty of scripture, and we could have, we could have given hundreds more on drunkenness or tons more in revelings. But I would encourage you to think about um, the activities that you participate in maybe or activities that your friends participate in and make sure that you are not on any kind of uh, dangerous path. like to uh, thank you for your attention and I, I appreciate the ability to do this study. If there's any way we can uh, serve you as a church, we ask you to come forward as we stand and sing the song of invitation.